born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. So he says, if you walk in the flesh, you say, well, what's walking in the flesh? Of course I'm walking in the flesh. That's all I got is the soul body. We're talking about that old sinful nature that you have. If you walk after the desires of man, it even says in the book of Jeremiah 17 and verse uh, 9, he talks about this heart is deceitful and desperately wicked, and who can know it? Means that old sinful nature we have. That's what is inside of us that causes us to do all the bad things that we do. See, the f- bad fruit is because of this bad root. We got a root problem, and it is getting at the root of the problem, trying to help people understand why they do what they do. So he says here in verse 16, walk in the spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But you'll still have the lust of the flesh. But walk in the spirit. So what does he mean by that? You look down in verse 22, and this is what he means to walk in the spirit. See there? But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Now, there's no law against bringing forth these good things because that means if you walk in the Spirit, God says you can have the fruit of the Spirit, and that's what you want. Isn't that what everybody wants, to have love and joy and peace in this life? Well, there's a way to get it. If you sow the right thing, you can get the right thing. You sow corn, you get corn. Sow cotton, you get cotton. Sow love, you can get love. Joy, you get joy. You see, you reap what you sow. So when he says about the flesh, now look in verse 19. So that you know the difference, walk in the spirit, you'll not fulfill the works of the flesh or the lust of the flesh. And then verse 19, works of the flesh should manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strifes, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, reveling, such like. Although which I tell you before, as I've told you in time past, they which do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. See how simple that is? So that's the flesh and the other one's the spirit. So the Bible uses a great illustration. It's called an allegory, where you can take stories, even of real people, and explain great biblical truths. And so that's what he's doing over here in the book of Galatians in chapter uh, 4. Now look what he says in verse 19, chapter 4. My little children. So these are people that he had led the Lord. He is not questioning their salvation, whether they're really saved or not. But he says, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Christ must be in you before you can be conformed to the image of Christ. So you have to have an inner motivation of why you do what you do. So after you trust Christ as Savior, God gives us his word. The Bible is God's love letter to his children. So he gave us the word 
so that we would be able to learn what Christ is like and who I am and that I inherit what my father has. And if I'm a child of God, then I should live like a child of God. And if I am a child of the king, I should use the language of the court. So it's learning how to be the way God wants me to be in this life. So he says, now, right now I stand in doubt of you, that you're not growing in the Lord. So is it possible for some of God's children to be born into God's family and not grow, not mature? Yes, and they remain babes in Christ. But this is what he's saying in verse 22. For it is written, Abraham had two sons, one by bond made and the other one by a free woman. All right, look up here now. This is only an illustration right out of the book of Galatians. This arm right here. We're going to say this arm right here. This is a woman by the name of Hagar. And uh, this arm over here, this represents Sarah. Now, Sarah was the wife of Abraham. Abraham had two sons because he had two women. One was a free woman. One was a slave from Egypt. But he had married Sarah. And God had promised Abraham, you're going to have a son through Sarah. And that's going to be the heir of everything that I promised you. But time went on and, well, lo and behold, the child hadn't come yet. So Sarah told Abraham, why don't you take that woman and have a child by her and maybe you'll be able to have an inheritance through her son. And that was a no-no. This is when Abraham should never have listened to his wife. But he did. So here's Hagar, and she has a son. Because she was a slave, her son was a slave. And her son, not been a son as an heir, he cannot inherit the promises that God made to Abraham. God promised those that heirship would come through Sarah and Isaac. So here's two women, one free, one a slave. And then you had two sons. You got Isaac, you got Ishmael. This is the flesh, this is the spirit. It's a story that takes place in the Old Testament, and it's a real story. But it illustrates these two women. Now, the Bible says Hagar represents that... Well, that Mount Sinai. What was given at Mount Sinai? The law. Then we find out there is a new Jerusalem in heaven. And that's what she represents. So she has a son. And Hagar has a son. And she said, cast out the bondwoman and her son. They cannot be heirs. And so, and that was the truth. So what this represents is the battle between the flesh and the spirit. And so that's why when she saw she was pregnant and Sarah wasn't pregnant, Hagar persecuted her. Years later, when the son, Ishmael, was born, Ishmael made fun and persecuted Isaac. So you have the flesh persecutes the spirit. And that's an illustration drawn from the Old Testament in a number of chapters. I think it's just awesome how God put all this stuff together. I don't know how God thought about this. Have you ever made that? So 
This is why whenever you and I were born into this world, we have a flesh birth. That's what you see. That's what I see. That's your flesh birth. We were born with a sinful nature. Therefore, we are under a curse because we cannot keep the righteous law. And the law was not made for a perfect man. The law was made for the sinner. And so we know that we have all failed because the righteousness of the law demands perfection. And nobody has kept it perfectly. So we are all sinners. So we are condemned. We are bond slaves. Slaves to a sinful nature. And we're all going to die. And that's why we all die. So God says when Jesus Christ came into this world. And next thing you know in John chapter 3. When Nicodemus came to him by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, but no man can do the things that thou doest except God be with him. And Jesus said, oh, I'm so impressed. Wow. He thinks I'm somebody. And Jesus says, you must be born again. You cannot see the kingdom of God nor enter into the kingdom of God unless you've been born again. And so he's talking about the flesh. He says, how can I be born again? Can I enter my mother's womb and be born again? If you could do that a thousand times, and the last time would be just as bad as the first time because the flesh can only give birth to the flesh. The birth cannot give birth to the spirit. So you have a flesh birth. You hear the gospel, you trusted Christ as your Savior. But when God saved you, you have to understand this. God did not save the old man. God did not change this old body. And God did not change your old sinful nature. Nothing here was changed. And you hear a lot of people, well, when I got saved, God took away all my sinful desires. He did not. Didn't take away one of them. Never has. Then why did he do? Give them back to you? This is the flesh. It was born of the flesh. Sinful nature. It sins. It dies. It cannot improve itself. And this is the shame that most people are trying to get a lost man to improve himself. Only to pave the way for him to go to hell on a nice little roller coaster. This over here is when you trusted Christ as your Savior, God gave you a new birth. He didn't change the old one. He gave you a new one. This one is born of the Spirit. So if it's born of the Spirit, born of God, born by the incorruptible Word of God, this one is born of God. And God cannot give birth to a sinful individual because God is perfect. If God is perfect, then his child, born of God, must be perfect. That's the spiritual birth. The spiritual birth doesn't have a sinful nature. No sinful nature cannot sin. Cannot sin, cannot die. That's why when I was born into this world, I got my flesh birth. I still got it. That's what you see. When I trusted Christ as my Savior, I was given a new birth, spiritual birth. That one you cannot see because it's a spiritual birth. You cannot see it. But this birth... Exists because the word of God says, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. See, this one here has everlasting life. Not this one. This one cannot sin. This one can. This one is divine. This one is sinful and wicked. And so the flesh, my flesh, hates the spirit and persecutes the new birth. Because, you see, I only got one body. 
But I've got these two births living inside of this one body. And God says, I want you to control this body. And my old flesh says, no, you ain't. I'm going to go to church today. No, you're not. You got to stay home and watch Batman. (laughs) So you have the flesh that can control your life because he's stronger. He says, I was here first. I was here first. Just like those people in the land of Canaan, they were there first. They didn't just walk out of there. There was a battle. And they had to claim that territory by trusting God. And by trusting God, God gave them victory and they could go into the land. And that's what they did. But you see, whenever you really understand this, you understand that there's the boxing ring. In this corner is Mike Tyson, flesh. In this corner is your little baby that was just born a birth. A little baby in the same boxing ring with Mike Tyson. I wonder who's going to win. And this is why you have that struggle going on in your life. And God says, you take ownership of this ring. Don't you let Mike Tyson take control of this here ring. This is yours. But I'm also going to give you the Holy Spirit. He's in your corner. Now, I can't handle Mike Tyson, but I know who can. And so as long as I do exactly what he tells me to do, I can whip Mike Tyson. The only way Mike Tyson can put me on the mat is if I don't listen to the Holy Spirit that lives inside of me. See, every Christian, God has given to you the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit to give us victory in our Christian life. And if we will study the Word of God and do what God says and speak the way God says and do all the things God says, God says you can have victory in your Christian life. And without it, you cannot have it. It's not going to happen. That's why in chapter 6 it says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Whoever you listen to is going to determine whether or not you uh, win or lose. I came to the conclusion years ago, I've only got one life to live. No reason. Runs, no instant replays. I just got one trip through. And I want to listen to see what he says because I don't have any great burning desire to have Satan whoop me. I don't want my flesh to have victory over my life. But that's a choice I must make. Nobody can do it for me. And you cannot live the Christian life for somebody else. You cannot make anybody else spiritual. You can't make anyone love God. You can't really change anybody's life. See, my flesh... It's still flesh, and it still has a sinful nature, and it's always against God. It causes me to want to go my way, do my own thing. That's where you have P-R-I-D-E. What's the middle letter in pride? I, that's your problem. It's not the devil. The devil's not your problem. It's not your neighbor. Your, your wife's not your problem. Your kids are not your problem. I is your problem. Now, you have a new birth. So we are taught from God's word, don't put this child... Under the authority of this flesh. Because you've been set free. Don't let the sinful nature control your life. Don't let it have dominion over you. Just because you have the desire to do wrong doesn't mean you have the right to do wrong. Now, let's just take a quick gander here in verse 22 of chapter 4. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bond maid and the other by a free woman. So that's where Ishmael and Isaac came from. 
But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. But he of the free woman by promise. Which things are an allegory, for these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gendered to bondage, which is Hagar. So you have under the law, the children of Israel were bound by the law. And the law condemns everybody that doesn't keep it perfectly. So as you look at a timetable of the covenants that God had made, especially the covenant of law and the covenant of grace, and yet in, within covenants you can have dispensations, periods of time in how God deals with people regarding their particular responsibility and the consequences of it. So he says here in verse 25, For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answer to Jerusalem, which now is, and is also in bondage, and Israel was at this time, because they were under the iron heel of Rome. And they were still under the dispensation of the law. But now, here's the thing. You have Hagar under the law, and you have Sarah under grace, because God had promised And so there's law and there's grace. And you don't mix law and grace together. Our salvation going to heaven either has to be by law or it has to be by grace. So what does it say in the book of uh, Romans in chapter 11 and verse 6? And if it is by grace, it cannot be by works. Otherwise, grace isn't grace. But if it is by works, then it cannot be by grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. In other words, it's either by grace or it's by work, but it can't be by both. Salvation, going to heaven has to be either free or you have to earn it. But it can't be both ways. So God says, for by grace are you saved, that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. See, anybody who goes to heaven can't boast, well, I was a deacon. I was an elder. I sung in the choir. I could play the piano. Oh, that ought to get you two brownie points. The only reason anybody will get to heaven is because they trusted Christ and him alone is their only hope of going to heaven. So this is what he's talking about. It's a great illustration used right here in the scriptures. Now look what he says there in verse 27. For it is written, Rejoice thou barren that bearest not, break not, or break forth and cry, thou that travaileth not. For the desolate hath many more children than she which hath an husband. Uh, You remember back here in Matthew chapter 7 when he says... um, the broad way and the narrow way, many that find the broad way, few that find the narrow way. You see, whenever people are born into the world, see, there's always got to be more of the people in the flesh because those who believe must come from those individuals and not all of them will believe. So there's many in the flesh and fewer that believe. And so... The world persecutes the Christian, and it's that way today. This is why they want to do everything they can to get God out of the schools and out of our homes and out of the churches and out of government, everything. Because, you see, they want to extinguish this light because the light shines upon the darkness. And people love sin because their deeds are evil, and Christians are lights, and we expose Therefore, we're not very well loved in this world. But don't worry about it. You know what they did to Jesus, don't you? Oh, that's right. They they crucified him, didn't they? So look what he says here. In verse 28, 
Now we brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit, even so it is now. Nevertheless, what saith the scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. Therefore, he says in verse 1 of chapter 5, stand fast, therefore, in the freedom where we have been made free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So once you have been born into God's family by faith alone, because you didn't earn it. Well, don't go back trying to earn it. I don't go to church today trying to earn my way to heaven. I'm not giving money to missions and all that trying to earn my way to heaven. You see, I'm going to heaven because of what Christ did for me. It's not what I do for him. And when people understand it, God loves them that much. And then they trust Christ as Savior. They have the Holy Spirit in dwelling them. Now they have, well, the greatest tool in all the world to help them live a victorious life. Because, you see... That's the only way to have victory over the sins of the flesh. And many people are trying to give everybody every other way in the world to trying to help people solve problems, and it just won't work. It's all temporary. People are lost. They're going to hell. The greatest thing we can ever do is get people to understand and put their confidence, their trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior. Look up here just a moment. Letting this hand represent you and me. The wallet represent sin. We all have sin on us. That means that we have all sinned. We've all done things wrong. But God loves us. Now, he hates our sin, but he loves us. And this is what sinners need to understand. And I've gone into rescue missions, and I have fun talking to some of them, even the Miami Rescue Mission and one up in Shreveport, Louisiana, and also in Chattanooga, Tennessee, the Union Gospel Mission. Well, those are the three main ones that I've been involved in. But anyway, God loves us. Hates what we do wrong. And he says, the wages of sin is death. And since we've all sinned, we're all condemned. We're all going to die. And be eternally separated from God in a literal fire burning hell forever. But God, he loves us. Wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, we have to be perfect as righteous as God. And nobody's perfect. Nobody is. So how are we going to get to heaven? If you've got to be perfect to go there, and we're all sinners, and we can't save ourselves. This is a mind blower. There's got to be a solution to this problem. If we try to save ourselves, okay, now how are you going to do it? Well, I'm going to do some of these good works. I'll do some good deeds. All right, did that take away the bad ones? Oh, I need some more good deeds. Huh? There, now that helps. That covers it all. No, it's still bad. So what you need to do is understand that Jesus Christ came into the world to set us free. Jesus Christ has no sin. He doesn't have to die. He's perfect. He's God in flesh. And because he loves us, he hates our sin because our sin separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, took ours. And when he took all the sins of all the world, regardless of who the person may be, every person born into this world to the last person born, and all sins in between, he paid for everything. Sins have been paid. He came back from the dead. And the only thing that you and I have to do to go to heaven is believe he did it for us. You see, when I believe he did it for me, that means he paid for my sins. So why should I have to go to hell and pay for my sins if he's already paid for my sins? So you can't pay for something twice. 
He's already paid for it. All God wanted me to do is believe he did it for me. Why? Because he loved me that much. He didn't want me to have to pay for my sins. He wants me to go to heaven. Well, the only way I can go to heaven, well, what was keeping me from going to heaven? My sins. Well, he took care of that. He paid it. Came back from the dead and says, well, you believe I did that for you. That's why he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, whosoever, anybody, believeth in him. It means you're trusting that he paid for your sin. And he says two things, guaranteed, you will not perish. It means I cannot go to hell in the future. Why? I won't have any sins paid for. But have everlasting life. It means I guaranteed to go to heaven. Two things from that one verse because of the payment Christ made on the cross for me. So when I accepted Christ as my Savior 59 years ago almost, he gave me the free gift of everlasting life, and I have a payment for all of my sins. So if i got a payment for all of my sins and God's given me eternal life, where will I go when I die? To heaven. I don't have to wait till I die to find out. See, I've been living and enjoying this freedom for 58 and a half years. Now, why would I want to try to go back and say, no, I've got to earn it. I, I, just don't, I just can't buy that. That's too easy. That's just too easy. If it is so easy, why don't everybody believe it? It's probably one of the hardest things for anybody in the whole world to believe. It's free. And so on. After we trust Christ as Savior, yes, now I'm God's child. And I still got my old flesh. And if I walk in the Spirit, that doesn't mean that He doesn't exist. No, He still exists. And if I walk in the flesh, that doesn't mean this one doesn't exist. I've had people say, well, if you're really saved, you're not going to want to go out there and do all those bad things he ain't gone nowhere. He's still alive because we keep resurrecting him. He supposed to have been crucified at the cross. But lo and behold, we find out we got this old sinful nature. We're supposed to live as though he died the day I trusted Christ as my Savior. But lo and behold, it's hard for people to accept what God says in his word and apply it to their life. Walk in the Spirit. You're not fulfilled the lust of the flesh. But the flesh is still there, and he's still going to persecute you. And that's why I've said before, some Christians are so spiritually skinny, they can use a Cheerio for a hula hoop. Some of them will never get strong enough because they just, well, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. He wants to serve the Lord, but I don't want to serve the Lord. I want to do God's will, and I don't want to do God's will. And so they never do anything. Can't do anything. Why? Because you can't make up your mind. Very unstable. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed. No one looking around. If you're here tonight and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, why not trust Him right now? Just talk to the Lord and say something simple like this. Lord, I don't understand it all. I've got questions. I've got doubts. But Lord, I believe that when you died, you died for me. And I'm going to trust you as my only hope of going to heaven. Friend, God said if you'd trust Him as your Savior, He'd give you the free gift of everlasting life. And I pray that you will. And if you're watching by internet right there on the screen and says, yes, I'll trust Christ as my Savior, just let us know. We'd like knowing that somebody trusted Christ as their Savior. Father, we ask your blessings upon each one here. And Father, for this to be clear in their minds. So many people are playing such a foolish game. They think it really doesn't matter. Or I'm doing my best and I'll make it somehow. But Father, I help them to understand that no man can save themselves. So with your head bowed and eyes closed, anyone here say, yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior right now. And preach, I'd like for you to pray for me. Would you just slip your hand up very quickly, put it right back down. 
not going to embarrass you, not going to have you forward, just right where you are. So it just simply means, yes, I believe Christ died for me, and I'm trusting him as my Savior. If you've never done it before, you need to do it now. If you've already trusted the Lord, you don't have to do it again. Father, we thank you again for your blessings. Thank you for all you do for us. Thank you for your word. And we pray, Lord, for a good service this coming Sunday and that you would help us to invite others to be here. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. How permanent is your salvation? Can you lose it? Are you 100% sure that you'll go to heaven? To help you in answering that question, Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book, or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Jesus is coming, so keep looking up. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.